0: for 25% off your DNA test kit.
1: Education is the cure to stigma. And so if we're providing that educational piece providing the history of the plant, all of its uses on a scientific level, that stigma starts to go away. Mm.
2: Or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The can Show with Joyce Gerber.
3: From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The can Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber.
0: And welcome back to The can mom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are continuing to cross that stigma around cannabis and caregivers one can of story at a time on Season 5. It just, it seems like a miracle, but it's here we are.
3: Hallelujah.
0: Yeah. And we're back to summer. Are you enjoying it?
3: We're we're back to summer. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like 40 degrees one day and 80 degrees the next. And then tomorrow it's going to be 40 probably again or something. So yeah. Welcome to New England. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I got, I got a new computer, which I don't know if I look better to you. It's supposed to have a better camera, but I spent honest to God all day yesterday talking to the guy who says he's in Canada. We are talking about the weather for like hours and hours because I was on tech support for hours and then it took hours to update. And then, of course, there were still problems. And then I had to talk to somebody for more hours. And then I had to get in touch with somebody from MailChimp who we texted. I don't know. It was a full-day activity. And they expect people to do it on their own. I don't see why that seemed possible.
3: <sighs> uh, did you get a Commodore 64 or are you running like <laughs> Windows 98 or something?
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know. You're i are supposed know. to be able to
3: plug it in and go. You're supposed to, I... but.
0: I like. I don't like technology. It scares me. I'm old. I, I, I
3: you have a cutting edge podcast. That's technology. It's ironic, is what it
0: is. Okay, all right. So I was on a marketing conference for the past couple of days with Mailchimp, which is another thing I don't even like yet because I literally created this brand by mistake. But I understand how to staying on brand is so important.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And all about AI. Do you use AI?
3: Yeah, I just used it I, earlier today. I, I use it to like get ideas and stuff, but. Not to do anything, like, serious or meaningful.
0: Hmm. It's always about making stuff faster and quicker, and I don't know, I'm slow.
3: I- <laughs> like, if you wanted to launch this contest for the Cannon show, you could tell ChatGPT come up with 20 names for this contest, right? And it might come up with a couple good ones, but it, it's also completely unreliable. Um, it it Sometimes it just tells you stuff that's just flat out wrong, so to be careful. Yeah. I
0: guess it's like having an assistant or a child. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. So, all right. But there are things you'd like, rather give up, I guess. There's boring stuff in life that, I don't know, I kind of feel like the boring stuff, kind of back to parenting. Sometimes the boring stuff is a really important stuff, which you have to power through, even though you don't like it.
3: You mean I don't know. non-technology stuff like?
0: Just life stuff. Like the stuff you don't want to do is probably the stuff <laughs> you probably should be doing because you're learning something. That's my guess.
3: Oh, yeah, that's true. Change is scary. Right. We hmm. fear change. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Speaking of slow things, my um, Canner uh, romance is now available on my website. All I right. released Chapter 3.
4: Tremendous.
3: We, we, you delivered the first chapter or part of the first chapter?
0: Mm-hmm. First chapter.
3: Right here on the show. And are you going to continue to, is it? Is this an audio product or what?
0: Could be audio again. Okay. I am so old fashioned, and the idea that I'm doing anything hip is funny. Like I read books. Like I'm. I'm
3: That's I, fine. I don't listen
0: to audio. I don't listen to them really, but I know it's a thing. And I don't know if you're interested. Connect with me. I'm very accessible. Let me know.
3: Mm. I like audiobooks when I get when I run through all my regular podcasts, and it's like, well, now I'm down to listening to a Conan O'Brien, episode of the Conan O'Brien podcast from like 18 months ago, and maybe maybe a book would be better. So.
0: Right. Well, if you want to hear my voice in your head, reading my story, let me know. Uh, it's called, <laughs> she's taking a break. And then like a little inside information. I also have a LinkedIn newsletter, which I didn't really know I have, but I do. So I'm using it now as a serial release of the can Romance. So if you get on my LinkedIn, you get it a week early. So that's a little inside nice. information. Yeah. So that's.
3: ChatGPT could write your newsletter for you if you wanted to. People use what's it my that.
0: brain for? What is it left? What left, what left of me? Joyce,
3: embrace the robots. It's just a matter of time before they take over. It's why we say please and thank you to Alexa, because just in case.
0: I don't I don't even lose Alexa. I don't know. I talk to my phone, though. All right. So that's my Siri, camera. All right. One more subject. OK. Cannabis and crafting. My 22 year old daughter is now living in my house and she's taken my letters and this is what she's doing with them. She is crafting them. Can you see that? So I know we're, we're on YouTube now, so that's yeah, why I'm doing Yeah, we're
3: looking at a lighter that looks to be very intricately decorated. It, would you call that Art Deco? Or, or or it's almost like a tie-dye thing? Oh, it's bedazzled.
0: It's bedazzled. It's bedazzled, exactly. yes.
3: There's definitely... In three different, very different colors. I'm colorblind, so I can't describe it to our listeners. They're audience. lovely. They're sparkly. Yeah. So
0: if you want to see it, go on YouTube. But again, this is like a good cannabis and craft project. I keep talking about having house parties. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna introduce some of your friends to cannabis, you're gonna do a little house party. However you do it, I've been talking about delivery services. This is probably illegal, but I really think that's the way to do it. Wait, <laughs> this uh, could uh, be one of your
3: a lighter just- can't a lighter can't be illegal, right?
0: No, no, no. Talking about like having delivery services, to oh, an oh. Avon party, but I just think that's the future. I have no influence, but you could do this as a craft project. I think while you're there, like little things or even like women's events, I'm going to be doing an event in Belmont. So maybe you do like a craft project, decorate your own lighter and buy a gram or something.
3: They should tell that to all the summer camps out there. You remember how everyone hated going to arts and crafts. It's like oh, third period. We got arts and crafts or arts and craps. We used to call it. But if you were decorating a lighter, that'd be cool.
0: With the can because you could yeah. get a prize after. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Oh, Camp am tell no All right. So. A well, inside camp information. Yes, Alex, we do have two guests today, so I need to move along. But I just, I do have a culture corner today, so yes. yes. The Culture Corner. Oh, this week. All right, so this week we have a book, Lessons in Chemistry. I'm sure everyone else has heard of it. I've been watching it on the New York Times bestseller list for a long time, so I finally picked it up. It's so good. It's fun. And so last week, Dr. Jamila Owens-Todd was our guest and she actually is a chemist, so I, it inspired the title of the show. So it's called Lessons in Can Chemistry with Dr. Jamila. If you're looking for it, but yeah, it's so Lessons in Chemistry. I'm
3: in, i in the dark and clearly not cultured. So, oh, you don't? No, tell so me, th- tell me the 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 thumbnail view of that book. What is it?
0: Set in the 1960s, it's a woman's perspective as a chemist. She's all alone and just basically basically the same horror dramas that we're still doing and dealing with in 2023, are still happening in 1961, although now we talk about it more. So at least it's in the open and it's obvious. And then we're not just the only woman anymore, although sometimes you still are, and how important it is to have that voice heard. And she was just sort of radical in her way of living, but she was actually a chemist, so she was very logical. Hmm. And and there's a talking dog, not talking dog, but a dog with a really great personality. And they're making it into a a movie.
3: Interesting. Interesting. There's a, a show that I just saw on Hulu. Came from a book, almost a similar theme. It's called. Have you heard of the other Black Girl? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it uses it juxtaposes like the the journey of the the black female professional in the like 60s versus today. But then there's this weird creepy thing under the surface. Also, I, I'm not doing it justice, but I would recommend that. I watched it. Get it's,
0: good, It's hard to it's hard to describe art. Uh, anyways, it. I just. I read a lot of books that I don't finish or I get from the library, so I, I'm not engaged with. But I read this in 24 hours because I was committed to reading it, and mm. I just think it's, again, female perspective. We think we've come a long way in some ways. I guess we have, but there's still so many things that are just the same, and sometimes you just need a new perspective. I think that was kind of the, part of the message from the book, and yeah. Love and it. Cook it. And cooking is chemistry, and cannabis is chemistry, too. So that leads us to the show.
3: Excellent segue.
0: Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dave. All right. Today, today we have two women from INSA Cannabis, a vertically integrated cannabis brand. Whitney Metzler joins us from Georgia, where she is the chief compliance officer at INSA. And you know that this is important because cannabis is all about compliance. In addition to her work in the cannabis industry, her personal accomplishments include being an Olympic swimmer, a staff member in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, and the mother of five. Hmm. All right. I don't know how she has time. Lisa Black is the education and training coordinator at INSA Cannabis in Massachusetts and is responsible for educating all INSA staff and consumers. She has been using her extensive knowledge about the history of cannabis and product usage to influence the narrative and engage her community. She is a mom, a longtime cannabis advocate. I am looking forward to learning more about their personal journeys, their work in the cannabis industry, and what they think is the best part about being a cannabis Mom. Please welcome to the Cannabis Mom Show, Whitney Metzler and Lisa Black. Welcome. Thank
1: goodness. <laughs> right,
0: we need a live audience. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's just start. Let's see. Just give me a quick, uh, your name, your intro, because it is audio too, and um, your position. Let's just start with Whitney and then Lisa.
2: So I'm Whitney. Whitney Metzler. I've been with INSA for two years. I'm the chief compliance officer. So I deal with all of our states and we're up to six now. And my background actually, and intro to cannabis was actually, I wrote Pennsylvania's medical marijuana law. So during my decade, actually 12 years at the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, that was one of the signature bills that I was able to work on.
0: So important. Okay. And Lisa?
1: I'm Lisa Black. I am the education and training coordinator for INSA. I've been with the company for almost six years now. I was with the company when we started up. And so I've got to see us grow from a single location to the six-state juggernaut that we are now. I've been using cannabis now for oh, about 18 years, medicinally, And that's where my cannabis journey really started. I realized it was helping me and wanted to learn why. And I'm all about education and learning. And that's where
0: where you are. All right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Lisa. So, you're a Massachusetts. So I'm just going to start with you because I'm a Massachusetts. So, I get it. Education is so important. And I just, what I'm finding over and over again, the woman I'm talking to, people need to feel empowered about this plant. It, it's like we all have to figure it out for ourselves in some way, but we need to have good data. So, that's really what we're providing when we're providing good education. So, what are you doing? What's What are you going to give some spe- specifics of what you're doing to keep both consumers informed? And, of course, staff, that's a whole nother level of like education and making sure they know what's coming in and the products are changing all the time and compliance, yes. how uh, you talk about it, what you say. So I know it's a big topic, but just kind of just kind of give me a couple of minutes on like what you're doing with kind of consumers and both the people who are helping sell the products and yeah, make the product. Well, you know,
1: absolutely. One of the things that I like to say often is that education is the cure to stigma. And so if we're providing that educational piece, providing the history of the plant, all of its uses on a scientific level, very sacked based then that stigma starts to go away. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we're really invested in, obviously, at NSAT. We want people to feel very comfortable using cannabis in all aspects of their life. One of our mottos is cannabis for real life. And we realize that there are moms out there who need cannabis to function. And so the education piece is a huge part of it. We have people coming in who have been utilizing cannabis for a long time, who maybe want to see what other options there are. And on the flip side, we have people who have never dreamed of using cannabis, but have recently heard from a loved one or a friend, all the benefits it's brought them. And so now they want to maybe see what it can offer them. And so that education piece, like you said, it's definitely twofold. We have to offer that education to our patients and our customers in a way that's going to feel no pressure, very, like I said, science-based. And so it's not like, oh yeah, my buddy one time tried this and it was
0: great. That yeah, information- you got, you got, yeah, no, that's not. And again, it's, it's tricky. Can you just explain? Because everyone might not understand. It is very tricky to talk about cannabis, especially the sense of health and wellness and healing because of what we can and cannot say. So when you're So I've seen this more in dispensaries. They have products lined out by benefits, like health, like if you're having trouble sleeping, these 12 products work really well. And if you have trouble, if you're having pain, these 12, but it's hard to actually market or talk about it specifically sometimes. So can you talk about maybe what you're doing specifically that way to talk to consumers about what they're getting and how they know what their products are?
1: Yeah, it Uh, it can be tricky to speak to it, especially because as I'm sure everyone has their own unique endocannabinoid system. And so... What works for the goose might not work for the gander when it comes to cannabis. And so we have to educate people on the why. That's a big thing. And so we do a lot of that with, with our staff. I personally put out micro training every single Tuesday. Cause yes. as you said, there's, there's new stuff all so the time. So what's a
0: micro training? Like, like it's a product comes in or a turpentine or something, yeah. whatever, just a small topic. Is that what you're talking yeah.
1: about? Yeah. So, so a lot of science of education has learned that. People retain knowledge better when they get them in little snippets versus Mm -hmm. like long pieces, like every few weeks or so. And so we totally embrace that, and we do really short courses. This shouldn't take longer than like ten minutes to take on various topics. It might be a new product we're releasing. It might be subject focused. Like recently, we focused on terpenes. We might want to refresh people on the different benefits of the different cannabinoids. That's great.
0: A million subjects that we there's a million. Even like when I started the podcast, people were like, are there enough topics? I'm like, are you kidding? This touches everything, everything. All right. So you're working, like you're really working with like your clients are specific, but really you're kind of helping your clients by making sure your staff is informed on kind of like the micro level of what's going on. That's great. That's really good to hear. All right. We can come back to that, but let's talk Whitney. All right. Compliance. This is all compliance. Everyone thinks we're going to have so much fun in cannabis. It's cannabis, but it is really compliance, right? And so you just said, I was going to ask, are you working across state lines?
2: So I do actually work, I work in all of our states. So we do, I do have staff that's regionally based. So I have like a Northeast staff person, a Mid-Atlantic staff person, and a Southeast staff person to cover our states. But I get to travel a lot between them. So I live in Georgia most of the year, but funny enough, I am actually in Pennsylvania right now, like as of today. So I split my time between the two states. My kids are nationally right golfers. That's the reason I live in Georgia half the year. And so that's why we go back and forth. But I happen to be there here right now working with, Kind of the, my old coworkers in the legislature working on some adult use language and expanding the use, of the medical uses here in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, or, the,
0: again, I talk about politics and religion, oh. and and the, what it's all a combined thing. And the the idea, the policymakers need to hear from people who understand what this is. So, you have an interesting perspective that you actually come from policy, okay. but then went into business. So, I don't know. Do you want to? Just, I don't even know where to begin this. Uh, but can you just, I don't know, maybe people don't understand. Can you just explain a little bit, like tell me the states that you're in and can you okay. talk about some of the differences that you have to be really careful about between the states? And Absolutely.
2: So we are it, in yeah. so Massachusetts, Connecticut. Uh, both of those are adult use. So then we're in Pennsylvania, Ohio. Both of those are medical oh. only. In Ohio, we have just a dispensary and Pennsylvania, we have just a grower processor. So totally different. Sides of the business that we ha- we handle in Florida, where we have ten dispensaries, we you have to be vertically integrated. So we have Oda and we have ten dispensaries as well. So the whole whole gamut there. And then Alabama, which has got a license there, and so we'll need to be operational within ninety days there. So we are right now. We're opening. What, what's
0: the, what what wait, what's the status of Alabama? We had we were awarded a license. So are they medical rec- adult? What is medical. it? medical medical? Okay, wow.
2: Uh, and so mo- four of our states are medical. Two of our states are adult use. Obviously, I came from a medical background that I worked in the health care space for I was a medical malpractice attorney before joining the house. So I had a health healthcare background there as well.
0: Actually, why don't we just like kind of jump into that? So compliance is everything. We could talk more about yes. it. But I was just going to ask, what's your personal journey? Just kind of a, what you're kind of heading towards? Like, how did how did you find how did a nice girl like you end up here? How did you find yourself here? In, yeah. Well,
2: mine is probably the most atypical transition to cannabis. I work for the Republican Party. And you know anything about Pennsylvania politics? It is quite conservative. The middle of the state is Pennsylvania. Like it's the most conservative you can possibly be. And then you have the corners, Pittsburgh and Philly, which are exceptionally liberal. So we're a purple state all the time. And so that was my I guess my claim to fame is that I could work across the aisle with a lot of stuff so we started with probably the most strident opposition to cannabis was the head of the health committee. Name's Matt Baker. Anyone in Pennsylvania politics knows he is still exceptionally opposed to it, but he allowed me to sit on the task force. And through all of that research that I was able to garner, actually most of it coming from Israel, we were able to craft an exceptionally good bill that was a model for many other states on like the research component of it. Because. It's hard to study the plant here in the United States. So that was always the, the big issue we had. And so we have some uh, really great structures in Pennsylvania that we use. So we have the Pennsylvania Healthcare Cost Containment Council. So you report all your findings for hospitals and ambulatory surgical centers. So we could utilize. So yeah, actually, it. all right.
0: So can I kind of backtrack on this? So
2: I I can go on for days on this. No, line. no, no.
0: But it's it's it technical. But what I can hear from you is that so I think that this retail part was sort of a mistake. I think it really should have come in as medical across the country first because because. When you have medical professionals engaged and your research engaged, you have that kind of umbrella first, which I'm pretty, it's really what's happening in Israel and it's happening in Germany, I think. They're trying, but you're kind of doing, again, this is state by state. Every state is doing this differently. So you're really coming in, you're talking about it like it's a true medical program with research and ability to study it and to engage the doctors and nurses and people who are caring for each other. Is that really, is that what you are?
2: That is what we did in Pennsylvania. So we actually have two chapters in our medical cannabis act, chapter 19 and chapter 20. So they actually really forced the medical networks. We have over 10 medical schools, universities in the Commonwealth, and so we had utilized those to study other diseases that weren't listed in the qualifying condition. So Israel has some great research on like diabetes, but you don't have any in the United States on that. So we were really trying to get the medical networks in Pennsylvania to try it with the benefit that it would be a substantially reduced cost for patients to get their, their cannabis through these integrated. They're called ACRCs, academic, clinically registered academic.
0: But, cause I, cause I, so CNN just did this kind of off topic, but CNN just did a big story about Israel and how they're using it normally. It's normalized in like nursing homes and yeah. elder facilities. So this is so important talking about the medical part. All right. That's amazing stuff, but we got more to talk about. All right, your personal journey, your why. So, I mean, you're very active politically. What did you? What was your personal use or understanding of cannabis before you got involved with this politically?
2: So, I as as you when I, in my introduction, I was a 1996 Olympic swimmer. If everyone remembers that year, was the year Gary Hall was in the Olympics, and he was very open about his cannabis use. I used to babysit Michael Phelps. He was relatively not necessarily open about his cannabis use, but he got everyone found out about it. So I knew that a lot of athletes were using the product. And so honestly, I've had shoulder reconstructive surgery, knee reconstructive surgery. I love when people say, oh, swimming is a low impact sport. Not at the level you had to make the Olympic team. But so I found like, especially topical uses, I really, it really did benefit me. So I know it does not help like some of the the terpenes and the cannabidiols do. Cause so, what year? How old?
0: How old were you? How how old were you when you started like integrating it into your lifestyle? Then,
2: so I was. It was much later in life. Simply, I had i I'm a rule follower. So, after Pennsylvania passed the medical cannabis law, then I was I was able to utilize it. So okay. now I can get it. Like I had to go to a golf tournament in Massachusetts, and I got there. And I'm old now, 45, and I'm that's not old, but it's old enough that my joints hurt on a regular basis. And I went oh, to the yeah. golf tournament and I got out of the car and I'm like, I can't even stand up straight. My back was bothering me. So I immediately went to our Spencer and got like the pain cream, make it through the golf tournament, the three day golf tournament with my 17 year old butt. But so like they know about it. They always know that if they're having spasms, like back spasms, especially with golf. That's different.
0: so important. That's so cool. Did you ever think you'd be that kind of cool, mom? Yeah. I mean, I use this uh, again. I use it. I'm 58. I use it for all sorts of things. I was cleaning. I mean, I'm too old even clean. I was on my hands and knees like really cleaning and then th- that night I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I'm old. I can't do that." But I used a couple of creams. I put like a patch. I've been doing the CBD patch and I felt fine and I got up the next day and I functioned. So, and I'm older. I'm still working for me. All right. So, compliance your personal story, Lisa. I guess your personal story. What's 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 your why? Why you, you've been in this medical? I, I know for quite a while, but is there something that came before that?
1: Yeah, well, like Whitney, I am a rule follower to an extent, though. And so in college, I was offered cannabis. And when I used it, I realized that it was just like a completely different experience from the first time I tried alcohol. First time I tried alcohol was really negative. First time I tried.
0: What year was this? Like I can't, how about, yeah. Let's
1: see. 2006.
0: Okay. So (laughs) So before, right before legalization. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Right before, right before. And so. When I utilized the cannabis, I realized that this was actually really helping me. It was a really positive experience. I was like, well, this is illegal. I need to find out why. And so I did a deep dive into the reasons behind cannabis being illegal. And I didn't find anything good. I didn't find any good reasons. Because there aren't
0: really any good reasons for it. Yeah, (laughs) Keep looking, people. Keep looking. Yeah.
1: And so when I found that out and I found out more about the plant and how it functions on the body, that's where I sort of really started to fall in love with it because I have really bad chronic anxiety, which leads to chronic nausea. And so for years I would wake up in the morning and just instantly start throwing up because that's just how my body processed the anxiety. And then when I found cannabis, I was like, wow, this is not only helping me a lot with the nausea, but it's helping me with the anxiety as well. And then again, just have to
0: do a deeper dive into why. Isn't it like, okay, I always say this, like almost every show I'm like, so my generation, we were offered alcohol or pharmaceuticals or literally to suffer through it. Like those are our choices. And that the women I meet over and over again have come to this plant medicine as a last resort because they've tried everything else and they're desperate. And then they literally become evangelized because they can't believe this works so well. And then despite how hard this industry is, which we haven't really talked that much about, but it is very hard, they stay in it because they can see the benefit. Like I can see it in your stories as well. You're becoming the people you needed. Like when you were trying to figure this out, was there anyone for you to talk to or look up? Like what were you reading? What were you doing to find information?
1: Not really. I was actually looking at a lot of the studies that were coming out of Israel.
2: It's always Um, Israel. (laughs)
1: Because that was one of the only places that, was doing a lot of research into it and was actually answering the whys that I had. And since I have like such a passion for that, finding that educational role in INSA just sort of made sense. But what's funny is you mentioned about it being, you saying evangelize, is that for the longest time, I felt like I was in the closet because I had this plant that was helping me, helping me function, but it wasn't legal. And I had to hide it from people, hide it from employers, hide it from friends, hide it from family. And so when it did become legal, that's when I felt like I, I immediately put it all on the table, let my family know, let my husband's family know, this is what I've been utilizing. It helps me.
0: And now I'm actually going to go into a career for it and help other people with it, too. Well, that kind of comes in to family. OK, so always family. So I, the stories also include most of the stories include a lot of shame. And they don't even know where the shame comes from because it's just this thing that exists in culture. And then when they start to try to find out why, they realize the shame shouldn't exist. But it's a hard thing to break. So I see what the kind of moms are doing is they're breaking the stigma because they're it's just open. So you guys both have families. How many children do you have, Lisa? Just one. Oh, what? Not just I'm, a, one. I'm a new mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. How old is you, your child? Uh, she's uh, 17 months. Oh, really new. Oh, That's you're a really Easter mom.
3: Day.
0: Yes. All right. I'm going to go back. Okay, I'm gonna talk to Whitney first because she's been doing this a while. (laughs) Okay, so you're a mother of five. They're very active in the golf world. Like this is one of these. I don't really know that much about sports. I can tell you about tennis and like rowing. I don't really know that much about golf, but I'm just not really a sports person except because I learned from my kids. So you're in this world of golfing. I can't imagine cannabis is really that acceptable or normalized. So what has it been like for you to be a golf cannabis mom, and has there been any pushback?
2: So I before I took the job, obviously I came from. I worked in a very conservative setting. We live in a very rural part of Pennsylvania, so I sat the kids down and said, "This is what I. This is the job I've been offered. This is what I would like to do." And I had to explain a lot of things. So they had questions. They had a lot of questions and good questions. And how, and how, so, and how old were your
0: kids when they when you got into the industry? So,
2: so I've been here two years. So my oldest would have been fifteen. So it would have been fifteen, two fourteen year old, and my uh, eleven year old and a nine year old.
0: Okay, and then can I just back up? So. So what was your mantra about cannabis prior to
2: this moment? Uh, you bet you won't, don't touch it or you're going to be kicked out of the wheel. Okay. Just generally for all drugs. That was like the general all drugs. Now, yeah, because well, I, I did my, my awakening
0: was like my kids are 14, 15, 14, like about the same age. And they were yeah. just like, what is she talking about? So yeah. All right. So what was it like when you talked to them?
2: Uh, So they had a lot of, as I said, they had a lot of really good questions. And I always shared what I was doing at work with my care. So when I could make an impact on people's lives, like politics is not exactly like you got, you get the warm and fuzzies at the end of any day. So I will, the not related to cannabis, but my very favorite bill ever was a bill that helped women detect breast cancer earlier, right? And I'm getting constituent letters saying my breast cancer was detected earlier because of this bill. Read the reason why you could continue to deal with the nonsense that is politics, right, and cannabis my medical marijuana bill had almost the exact same situation, so I know a lot of the ones that the kids would understand were kids with epi that needed epidiolex or had yourva syndrome or just a seizure disorder and so we actually sat and talked about the difference between a pharmaceutical what a pharmaceutical drug will do, what the seizures do to the brain, and then what cannabis can do to to prevent the seizures and prevent the deterioration of the brain tissue. And so I'm very matter of fact, like with everything, with my children. And so we just went through the facts of it. I said, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Do you have any concerns with that? And they don't. So they tell, they tell people that I, I don't know that they necessarily understand it. I don't know that they understood what I used to do. Either my My now junior, one of my juniors, just interviewed me for one of his classes, and he had no idea that, like, the answers aren't abundantly clear. Like, half the time I'm like, I read the regulation, look at either the educational piece that we're going to put out or the advertising we're going to do, and I have to make a judgment call. He had no idea that it isn't like, oh, no, you can do X, but you can't do Y. It's not that clear, right? So it was really interesting to see him even come into that realization that
0: honestly it it doesn't even if you don't are not if you're not a compliance person or a lawyer or someone who deals with like regulations on a regular basis Uh and then on top of it you have to figure out how to do it across the country in five different states with very different regulations there i mean not even like it's not cut and paste we're talking like really different places in the universe so you're basically dealing with five or six different countries honestly and then you have the whole illegality across the board of the federal government so it's a lot of it's like a it's like a board game that no one wants to play, but you're playing it. So, <laughs>
2: well, I, um, I love the people that it will. So people who do know what I do, especially in the golf world, because it is a relatively conservative thing. I mean, parents think it's the coolest thing. All the parents that I've ever interacted with are like, that's so cool. Like tell me about what can you do? How do you get your card? So, I mean, nine times out of 10, that's on I'm like. Okay. This is how you get your card. Like in with like kids play a lot in Florida. So I. Like, Tell, walk them through the process of getting their card in Florida or getting their card in Pennsylvania, how you do it, what it can help, things they should look for. And then, of course, it's the same thing, which is like, well, that causes me to have more anxiety. Well, okay, then you probably need a lower THC product. Look into that. So you just walk them through and like. So people help, need, right?
0: again, I, I, I mean, what kind of opposite end of the political spectrum I imagine? I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, but. Yeah. <laughs> I talk about this as being the you know the venn diagram yeah. I, I mean usually talk about in politics. everyone gets sick, everyone gets healed. This is a plant medicine, this is an agricultural application that i mean the the most conservative farmer down in the South probably wants to be growing hemp because right. hemp is bigger than cannabis, so this is a national issue and a national problem, which I can't figure out why we don't have a national solution, but look we're on the same we're talking about this in a very normalized way on. How do you deal with your family and your children and how do you heal how do you make sure that you're healthy? And that your children are healthy. That's all we're talking about here. So they understand what it is and they're not scared of it. And right. you've sort of normalized it. So you're crushing that stigma.
2: Well, I, mean, I was a little bit of a Frenchie mom. So my children have been treated with essential oils through their lives. Okay, so they're comfortable um, with that. So yes. li- and we've done various things. So that it's not like it's not completely foreign. That's usually a plan is the best way to do it. And again, after twelve years in politics, I'm more of a like, no, 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 I I can do this better than y'all. Do. So like, just stay out of it. Like you keep screwing it up. Please just stay out of it.
0: And listen to me as a mom should say. All right. So Lisa, so you're, a mom, you're a mom, a very young child. So have you got any of those, like they have books now, like a couple, like Miss Kindness has a book out. There's some other like children's books about what grows in grandma's garden. Just talking about it, seeing it. Are you at that level yet? Have you started talking? Have you started showing your daughter pictures yet? <laughs>
1: Well, she sits in in a lot of my meetings. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She does. And actually, when I was getting wheeled out of the hospital, the nurse who was helping me found out I was in the cannabis industry. And as she's wheeling me to the car, she's like, so tell me more about CBD. (laughs) So literally from the moment she was born, she's been hearing these words and terms and things. And I know that she's still probably too young to understand, but we're still talking about it with her. And so, like, if my nausea is really bad and I have to step off into the other room to medicate, I'll tell her. I'll be mm-hmm. like, OK, mommy's going to get you a snack. And then I got to go take my medicine and I'll be right back.
0: But that's how you do it. That is literally how you shift the story. I mean, it's so personal. This is such a personal way of, I don't know, reimagining what the narrative is. And you're doing it on a very specific level. I'm taking my time. All right. All right. So she's going to grow up with it, normalized and all this. All right, let's get to um, let's talk about inso. All right. Mission. What's the mission of INSA? What makes it kind of unique? And I don't know, it's in Massachusetts, obviously, so I can kind of talk about it here, but what else is it doing nationally? And I don't know. Actually, Lisa, why don't you talk about specific stuff in Massachusetts? Is there anything special about INSA and connections to Massachusetts?
1: No, one thing that's really cool. I'm a Massachusetts homer. Like I love living in Massachusetts and anybody who comes to the state. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. we're the best. I love it here. (laughs) So with that in mind, the fact that we have all of these dispensaries in Massachusetts and we're incredibly successful in Massachusetts and that our owners are from Massachusetts is something that we really love to share with people. And they're very involved day to day. It's not just some guys in some corner office in California just sort of reaping all the benefits from our hard work. They're looking at trends, they're reading blogs, they're seeing what customers and patients are looking for. They're coming to our innovation team and being like, what about this? What about that? What are we doing with this? And so that's one thing that I would say is really special is that, you know, we're one of the bigger guys, as people like to say, but we're still very much a small team that really is on the same page as to what we want. And our mission statement is in business to make your day better.
0: So, yeah, did, if, did, did Insta start as medical? Are you vertical as well? Do you grow your own? We did. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. We started as medical only. We started off in East Hampton as a medical only location. And then we expanded into Springfield really soon after that as a medical only location. And then once the recreational laws went through and Massachusetts was allowing those recreational stores to open up, we were in the second round of dispensaries that got to open up in East Hampton. So we've been blessed to serve Massachusetts for a long time. And it's great because we've sort of had this like training grounds here in Massachusetts and we've gotten a lot of stuff figured out that we can now utilize in these other states that we're going into. It's definitely not cut and paste like you said there's so many differences between state to state but we have a guideline of like what we want to do with our business and
0: that's really important. So you I like I've seen into products in other dispensaries so like is there is anything that you want to talk about that's specialized that you really think people should like look out for cuz it's not just in the stores or in your other product your products in other stores other dispensaries so Yeah,
1: I would say one thing that we're really well known for is our high-end chocolates. And we have those in a lot of different dispensaries in Massachusetts. And so if you're a chocolate-holic like me and you really like the high-end stuff, think Ghirardelli, not Hershey's, then you definitely would want to check out those. Also, one thing that's special about Insta that you can get in the dispensaries across the state is that we create our own cultivars, our own strains from scratch. And so our head grower, Frank Bieri will look at what we have, look at the terpene content and the THC content of what we have, and then try to fill any gaps that might be there. We might want a cultivar that's higher in humulene, and we don't have that right now. So he's going to grab a Girl Scout cookies cut and another cut that's high in Humilene and create it from scratch. So,
0: so are, your, are your products marked um, with uh, terpene profiles? Absolutely. And you can they find are. out even more about it on um,
1: our website when you stop to our menu. All of that terpene information is on there with information on what the terpenes are, too. So if you're not familiar with what they are, you can hover over it. It shows you how much limonene content is in there and then a little
0: blurb about what limonene is. That is really good. So I just did a little bounty hunting, not to promote another brand, but they did this pro- this game where basically you've got the same, uh, same, ter- same strain different seeds. So you kind of had to smell it and look at it and think about it in a really conscientious way, which I was very, I don't know, I I was intimidated by it. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I smell that good. I don't know. It all kind of smells similar, but I realized that the intentionality of it really uh, made a difference. So again, if you want to find product, we talk about this is very local, very artisanal if you want to, and that the terpenes are so important and a lot of the products aren't marked with them. You don't know. And it's hard to figure out what you like sometimes because you can't really just look up on Weed maps. It's really specific to the strain you're getting and the product that you're getting, right?
1: And from batch to batch. Yeah, know, batch it, to batch. It, it could be one batch was lower chirpene and then we coaxed it just a little bit and then boom, we got that 3% terpene, which is so hard to get out of flower. But I can tell you just from working with the guys, that's what they get really excited about.
0: We're, we're all about the chirps here. <laughs> That's a good sign. All right. Anything else? I don't know, Whitney, anything you want to talk about like Insta where you are? I mean, it's obviously very complicated. I can
2: add to something. So we don't just uh, create our own strains in uh, Massachusetts. We actually do it in Pennsylvania. Uh, One of our newest strains was by our Pennsylvania grower and it's named actually after his mom, uh, after her recovery from breast cancer. So it's October. So I want to throw that out there. So that's the Mary strain. It should now be in almost all of our states. Uh, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania and in in Florida right now. So, so, so can you
0: just say what makes it special? The, the content was it? Tea no, tea I tea can't. Tea, uh, no? Oh, I was
2: maybe Lisa could tell us what the high terpene content is. I just know that it was the straight the the terpene content that it, his mom was looking for when she was using it during her treatment. So, and then I uh, if she can add it, then it's I'll let her jump in. But the other thing that we're known for, and it's interesting because I work with so many different regulators, so they get to hear all the complaints too from patients or other customers. So in uh, Pennsylvania, when the Department of Health was just out recently, they complimented us on the fact that we are very strain specific on how we treat all of our plants. So we do not have a set schedule. Some uh, larger entities will just will have every 56 days or so they will cut a rim. We do not do that. We do it based on the strain itself. And then we'll also cure for substantially longer than most other people do, which will lock in more of your terpenes and then also reduce any uh, cross-contamination, whether you have mold or yeast or anything that's growing in the tin. So we've heard that in both Pennsylvania and in Florida. In fact, they like our grow so much in Florida that the regulators there are using it to train their other inspectors. That's I, I mean, Florida, Florida yeah,
0: Florida yeah, Florida kind of confuses me. All right. So they have, what do they have? They have medical, but they only, only have medical. Some, and how many growers do they have?
2: So, so I think, I want to say it's like 30 plus, they're called MMTCs in Florida. So we have 30 plus MMTCs, but you can only sell your own product. So all of our dispensaries can only sell into product, right? So there is no wholesale market. Um There is a, a referendum that's Trying to go on the ballot, but now it's in litigation. So, the joy of cannabis legislation and, and litigation. So they're they're trying to move to an adult use program down in in Florida as well. So we're geared for it. Our grow is able to expand to accommodate it yeah. if it does go to adult use. But honestly, that's two different states where I have two different sets of regulators that are like, you guys just do it right. So but we're very yeah. passionate about making sure we have a good product before we even get to get it to to market. And then our bud tenders are so well educated oh, that feel. we're, we're making sure that it's done correctly. Okay. So,
0: and then, so I just, so people who don't know, like, I don't know what's going on in Florida, but <laughs> the idea that you can't bring in other products means that other people can't get into the industry, which seems very, I don't know, free market. So why, uh, what, <laughs> Okay, so, well, I mean, minutes. so
2: they are I mean, so Florida, the way they do it, the way the statute is written and the way they do it, it's like you can't I can't even bring in botanical terpenes to add to like vape products like or I'm sorry, you can't bring in other cannabis terpenes to add to, to vape products. And talking about strange things, Pennsylvania bans botanical terpenes, Florida bans cannabis derived terpenes. Both of which are medical programs, and both of which make claims that this is that it's medically advantageous to not do this. I
0: don't. Yeah, this is confused. All right, I'm so,
2: for the why in some of these things, you just have to go. Okay, that's what the rules are now, and we'll try to fix it.
0: But that's, again, that's the whole thing about policy. You need smart people advising the people making the policy decisions. But this really should be. This should really have come. I really do. The whole medical part is getting lost in a lot of this. I mean, you can see this too, especially in Massachusetts and pediatric medical, and everyone thinks they're going to make a lot of money and no one's really making a lot of money, but it's here. And I'm not sure how we fix what we maybe messed up. I keep thinking new states are going to implement better policy because they see what's gone wrong, but it feels more like they're just implementing the stuff that went wrong. I don't know. I, I'm not in charge. But I, yeah. The,
2: they tried they try to fix it, And you're like, well, that's not really affixed to the problem you saw so yeah but you're right but it's on the other hand it's hard to to go in so like i can go in and talk to my former members obviously i'm I'm done my the bandy for one year you can't talk with them after you leave the legislature i'm well past that so i can go in and explain things to them and it's real. it's always surprising how much they don't even know about pennsylvania program once they got it up and running so it's yeah, we do a lot of we do a lot of education of our bartenders. We do a lot. Like, I spend a lot of time educating yeah. legislators. And honestly, yeah. it's it's a language I can speak. So luckily- I and We didn't. need you.
0: I just think I could do that work. That's like, I mean, I'm like, I don't look like a stoner. I'm just, I'm a middle-aged woman who plays tennis and wears pearls and talks about cannabis. That's what I do. All right, ladies, a few more minutes. Let's see, Lisa, it's an old school question. I'm asking people, do you have a favorite way to consume? What is your favorite way to consume? And has it changed now that you're a mom? Has anything changed in your favorite ways?
1: It hasn't changed since I've been a mom, but my favorite way to consume is actually to use concentrates. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I like to dab. I'm a big dab advocate. Uh, <laughs> and one reason why I actually work so well being a mom is that with the concentrate, you don't have as much smell, you're vaporizing, so there's no combustion and that helps the smell as well. And also with dabbing, it's like one and done. You do a little dab and you're good to go. It's not like rolling a joint or packing a bowl where it's a little bit more time intensive to get it ready and then consume it. With dabbing, I get my guy heated up. I take my little dabber, pop it in, inhale, and then I'm pretty much good to go. And I do things to make sure there's no cross contamination, I guess, with my child. I have it all in just one separate room that she doesn't go in, any fans and all that good stuff. But yeah, that's my favorite way to consume is definitely use concentrates. That's so fun. So I
0: had Dr. Jamila Owens' titles last week and she talked a lot about like live resin versus live rosin and the solvent and the solventless and the molecular structure. So I have a much better understanding of what it really is. Do you have a preference, solventless, solvent? How do you figure out, how do you determine what concentrates you want to use? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, if I can get solventless, that's a nice treat, but I really don't have any problems having any concentrates that have solvents, especially here in Massachusetts, because Mm -hmm. our standard for purity for concentrates is the best in the nation. It's yeah. Incredibly strict. You're likely to get more propane eating a burger off a grill than you are from consuming any of our products. That's, uh, that's a good way to put so, it. <laughs> yeah, and it's factual too. When you measure the ppms of the solvents in there, it's it's incredibly safe, especially in Massachusetts. And so, yeah, I mean, I really love anything super chirpy. So I love a good batter or live batter, and luckily. Working at Insa, our focus is terpenes to begin with, so it's really terpy flower that turns into terpy concentrates,
0: and so I found a good spot. That's awesome. All right, how many minutes? Okay, that's one more minute. So what? Do you have a favorite way to consume?
2: Usually edibles or or just topical cream, just based on what I used to use a lot for sleep. So edibles are my way to go in that sense, and it's kind of similar reason. Then there's no no smell. Also, the only like the vape product that I really really like that we make. Does leave a lingering smell, so I usually just try to stay with edibles. Yeah. definitely. All right, it's always about the smell. All right,
0: ladies, thank you for sharing everything with me. Whitney, what is the best way to, for people to connect with you if they want to reach
2: out and find you? So LinkedIn. So it's easy to find me there. It's Debbie Metzler at myinsula. I think I'm yeah. still the only Whitney at the company. So yeah. all right,
0: we'll we'll put in the show notes. and Lisa and my
1: hey, massa on LinkedIn and anybody who has any questions on cannabis.com.
0: Excellent. Thank you. All right, another show. So there we are for my guests, Whitney Metzler and Lisa Black, and of course, my Cannabro, David Jazz, and our Cannon Mom Show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannon Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, witness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the world will- Women building this new industry. So together, we can crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we're a production of Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network.
4: Recording stopped. Thanks for listening to today's show.